episode 10 of the Overtime Show. This weekend, once again, joined by the regulars, Joe Carrigan. Hello. Mitchell Marsh. Good afternoon. And we've got a special guest coming in from the Irish NFL show, Colm Cronin. Welcome to the podcast, Colm. Thanks very much, lads. Nice to have the opportunity to chat some football with you today. Yeah, no, I've, uh, we've got a mate on the course. He's got a Southern Irish accent, so this is uh, all too familiar. So let's. Uh, I thought we'd just start off by, um, obviously, since it is Super Bowl weekend, it's a celebration of everything football that's happened over the last year. And uh, just thought we'd all just touch a little bit on the job the NFL have done themselves, just to be able to have the season throughout. We only have really one bad week with the Ravens-Pittsburgh game, but no games postponed. No real major disruptions. They've done an incredible job just to be able to put this season on and to be able to have fans in the stands at Tampa Bay. It's been a real good job they've done this season. I think what people have to remember is how large the travel parties are for the NFL compared to a Premier League team, compared to an NBA team. Uh, you're talking about 53 roster players and just massive uh, amounts of coaches and trainers, uh, communication personnel, and they shrunk that as they could. but. Uh, I totally understand the extra cautious people are like sports should have just not gone on. This was endangering people. Um, and while they're not linking direct negative effects, I think they did. This is probably as good as it could have gone, especially when you see the NBA right now postponing games left and right. Um, and America, people did. Huge place to fly over. That travel is just a lot different from a Premier League travel throughout, um, throughout England Wales. So. Um, I do think you have to give the NFL some credit and, you know, if you hated that they went forward, it was, billionaires are not going to give that up. So. Yeah, I really like what they did with the draft as well. I mean, you know, even keeping the draft alive. And I think they also put a lot of effort in even before the season because they, they wanted to get the season going from the get-go. They didn't want to they didn't want to postpone it at all. Uh, and, I, and, and like you said, Mitchell, they did a great job. Um, I, for one, you know, wanted football to come on this year. I didn't want them to postpone it or, or to do anything with. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how it went. I'm very happy. Yeah, look, I would say kudos to Roger Goodell. The guy cops a lot of um, often deserved flack, but in this instance, he made it happen. Um, he, he wins big. I mean, when you consider the viewing figures for the NBA Finals, when you consider everything that's going on with baseball, football has 256 games. It's made it happen. I will say maybe uh, as a Denver fan, um, we suffered maybe a little bit more disruption than most, but um, be that as it may, um, look, the, it's a behemoth. It, it was, it, it, the juggernaut rolled on and here we are in Super Bowl week and we are going to have a Super Bowl that's actually going to have fans in the stadium. So you just got to tip your hat to the NFL in terms of what they've managed to do. Yeah. Well, um, in the year of 2020 and 2021, everything's been a bit abnormal. It's been completely stuff I've not been used to. But at least one thing stayed consistent. Tom Brady's got the Super Bowl. So it feels life feels normal again. Um, I'll go to you, Colin, first. Uh, Mitchell, not the biggest fan of Tom Brady. Uh, I quite respect everything he's done. Um, what do you make of the job he's just done, just going in there? First year, no OTAs, virtual offseason, and he's been able to turn the Tampa Bay Suckineers into a Super Bowl contender. Um, again, being a Broncos fan, was never particularly fond of Brady, and uh, he used to hate coming to the Mile High City and always enjoyed Vaughn uh, and uh, having games against him. But you have to respect what he has, has done this season. The guy um, goes to, to Tampa Bay and, you know, immediately turns them around. When you hear, say, uh, Ryan Jensen talk about 
the preparation that Brady puts in. Talk, he and, and, and he says he's never had that from another QB. The fact that he spent so much time with him, uh, you know, going through, uh, this is what I want when uh, I'm in shotgun. This is what I want when I'm under center. This is where I want you to put your towel so that the ball isn't too sweaty. Like it's it's ridiculous, the, I suppose, the, what he puts in. And in terms of just the, he's proved people wrong this this year he it, it, it seems to take everything you know that the, the meme the the jordan meme and the, and i took that personally that's tom brady as well um because he can't throw deep well then he spends time throwing deep um and i i'm convinced that some of this is at least driven by the fact that jordan has six championships brady wants seven so that he becomes the absolute undisputed king of of the you know the the championship brings um he I, I like his leadership and, and his inspiration has been key. Um, I think it will be very interesting and I think no one should write off Bill Belichick. He will be back next year. But I I can have nothing but respect for what Brady has done with the with the books. And he uh, joins a, a very select group um, in terms of playing in a Super Bowl for um, two franchises. And um, I, I, I'm still blown away by the fact that like Tom Brady has played in nearly 20% of every Super Bowl played. It is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you, Mitch, go I'll go to you, Mitch. Um, you're obviously the other Bronco fan in the room. Uh, you're going to witness the boy wonder for the next 20 years. So, I mean, you, you've seen so far. I mean, I've heard a lot of debate. Tony Romo saying this is the biggest game of Mahomes life. I mean, do you see this as the biggest game of his life, or is this just one of those ones? If he gets it, it's just another tick in the box for his, you know, goat debate when he eventually enters his thirties in his later career. I, I think you can call it the biggest game of his life, and that doesn't that might not matter in ten years that this was the biggest game so far. Because if he's going to come anywhere close to Brady, he has to start winning Super Bowls. You know, that is the thing about Brady. Uh, Colin, I like how you talked about his his leadership and his perseverance, what he's done for his body has made all of the difference. That's something Michael Jordan didn't have. It's something LeBron James does have. So for Brady to be at this point, great. And people saying it'll never be unmatched or it'll, sorry, it'll never be matched. It'll remain unmatched. Um, probably true, but we already have the best candidate possible right now to take that down. And that is Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't know if he'll do it. He has a lot of fun to watch, but he is, his mobility is um, not something he relies on, but it will put him in more situations where he may not be able to play as long as Tom Brady. So is it the most important game so far? Prob probably picking up back-to-back -back Super Bowls would be massive. We don't see it very often. Said, um, and for Brady on the other side, you know, he's got a couple key uh, runs from his running game last week. He threw three picks. He did not play well in that second half. And that defense has stepped up a lot. I think the bones of the Bucks were actually pretty good. So for Mahomes, it is, it, I think it would be a letdown, but I also think that the Chiefs have not been as incredible as the last few weeks, and so I'm, I don't know if we know exactly what we're going to see, but I would love to see Mahomes start to rival um, what Brady's done, but as a Broncos fan, I also would love if he fizzled out, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, coming to you, Joe, I mean, uh, me and you are more an NFC fans, so we'll, we'll try and be a little less biased, but... Uh... I mean, what way do you, I mean, do you see this, Joe, as the, as the goat versus the baby goat, as, as a lot of people are building this up as? I, I, I like that. I like that take. Um, you know, I'll, I'll sprinkle in as well. Being a Packers fan, I'm still a bit tender about Tom Brady. Um, 
you know, he's single-handedly taken our chance away from the Super Bowl and I feel like this was our best chance. Um, so if I want anybody to win this game, I definitely want it to be Patrick Mahomes. I do not want Brady to win another Super Bowl. But like has been said, you have to appreciate what he's achieved and you have to appreciate what Mahomes is achieving. Um, and I mean, if Mahomes continues on the path that he's on, I feel like he could easily overtake um, Tom Brady. But then you also have 14, to think- 14 conference championships. I just don't, you just, how do you, playing 14 years is an achievement. I don't know, I don't know. But I, I was going to say how you keep the uh, that incredible offense that he's got. Uh, you know, all of those players are going to want lots of money, and you know you're not going to be able to keep them all around. And uh, I also saw someone was talking about that. You know, maybe soon enough that half a billion dollar contract might not be enough money for what Patrick Mahomes is worth. So that'll be interesting to see whether he can continue this performance and see whether maybe the uh, half a bi- half a billion dollar deal was uh, was worth it in the long run um, but it'll be exciting to see definitely the baby goat versus the goat yeah I think the next step for Patrick Mahomes career is when we see him play with these guys who are not as most talented so mm. you know, the big the uh, the big applause that always went to Tom Brady was making guys like you know, your guys should be your practice squad guys like Chris Hogan uh, Danny Amendola you're making them almost very close to Pro Bowl level receivers so can he maybe take a guy who's a you know a third choice receiver on most other teams can he elevate him to a level of a number one but you know i you know i think they'll probably lose sammy Watkins in the offseason i think that'll be the easy one for them to get rid of so they can keep hardman and they can keep uh, keep terry kill but you know i i do agree with what a lot of guys have said this feels like the baby goat versus the goat and you know yes 14 conference championships is going to be hard to get to but if mahomes gets to five super bowls and wins all five he's he's five and oh whereas brady could be potentially you know six and three or six and four so I think you know, a lot of the record eventually is going to come down to that. But, you know, Mahomes going to rack up a lot of accolades as well, passing yards, TDs, all that sort of stuff. So I think it goes that way so far. But looking at the actual matchup then, uh, I'll go back to you, Colm. Who do you think out of the two quarterbacks has the edge going into this one? Um, for me, Mahomes, because he he has Kelsey. And, and Kelsey has fundamentally changed what we think is possible at the tight end position. I mean, you go back, you look at Ditka and the way Ditka changed what we thought was possible. Then Grant comes along and Grant changes what we think is possible. And then Travis Kelsey comes along and Kelsey is just, a, he's a freak in the truest sense of the word. He has made the tight end a wide receiver. I mean, the guy has what, four over 1400 yards um this year and then the the playoffs show up and he goes for over 200 um he he's just monstrous nobody seems to be able to come up with a a game plan to to stop him now as a broncos fan i've I've watched the game long enough to know the broncos have never been able to to stop tight ends but other teams usually can come up with a plan nobody has been able to to do it so to me um between that and obviously look hill just he is so explosive and, and we've already seen what he did to to Tampa earlier in in the season um, when he pulled the uh, the Shannon Sharp uh, called the National Guard routine um, that was a, a, a nice uh, nod there um, so to me that's I, I, what gives um, Mahomes the the edge on that side now there there is lots to it um, and I hopefully we'll have, we'll have time to come back because I, I think there are other factors to consider but if you're asking me in terms of who I think has the the best weapons um it it is it is Mahomes and his ability to just to to make things happen um he's also 
he's thrown nearly 600 passes this year. He's six interceptions. He one percent, one percent. I mean, everything he does, you look at it and it just seems to come off. He is the King Midas of, of the, um, the league at, at the moment. He throws underhand, he throws across his body, he, he, do, he does everything and it still, it still works. Some of that magic comes from Andy Reid as well, um, because again, I, I, as a Denver fan, I saw Patrick Mahomes miss a couple of games last season. Matt Moore came in and Matt Moore looked like, you know, a, a, a Patrick Holmes light. So Reed's schemes are brilliant. And he's also gotten a lot better as he's gotten older at disguising stuff. Um, Mitchell, you may remember a few years ago, um, Andy Reid seems to like taking stuff out of the Broncos, but they were way ahead and uh, they went for a two-pointer and they threw to one of their big O-line guys. Um, later in, in the playoffs, they were chasing a game. They could have really used that that play, but they'd already kind of brought it out so people knew what, what was coming. He's got much better at holding stuff back for the playoffs. And in last year and this year, the, the Chiefs have just come to life, both on, on both the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball in the playoffs. So to me, that gives Mahomes the edge. Yeah, I think the, the Chiefs' defense is going to be really key here because they play better than they've kind of been getting credit for. Aside from a couple 30-point games, uh, KC has not been running people out of the building. Um, and so they're going to have to do a good job. And I would say Tom, Tom Brady has great weapons that have been underperforming this year. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Godwin, of course, dealing with an injury. Gronk's been a shadow of himself, but he seems to always show up for just two massive plays when he's needed. Um, it's Fournette has... has been been helpful but it's been very streaky and so what's interesting is how brady's going to be able to navigate those and elevate those weapons because i would say that um he is some excellent stuff to choose from and i wonder how he'll deploy his tight ends um his the other tight end outside of bronc is his name is out of my head right now but um cameron bright cameron bright and i that's going to be interesting to me and like you said the broncos have literally seen the evolution of the tight end against them because we saw Tony Gonzalez and then Antonio Gates. And that is what kind of turned into like Gronk and Hernandez emerging at the same time. And I'd like to think Shannon Sharp had a little role in there too. And now Kelsey um, is the evolution of that. And he's so big and so strong. And he's a little bit different from say Jimmy Graham, who was almost a true wide receiver in, in my opinion for, uh, for Jimmy. So I just with Colin talking about um, uh, Hunt and, and Kelsey, I think it's important to look at the other side and just Brady is so smart. And so I think he'll use those weapons to make up for some of the deficit of what Mahomes has advantage over him right now, which is mobility and arm strength. But he threw three picks last week. And that makes me think that if he makes those mistakes, the Chiefs aren't going to let him overcome it. And I said, the I wrote a preview column for the NFC Championship. And I said that uh, Aaron Rodgers would overcome, would take advantage of mistakes, and he did it. He got six points off of three turnovers. So maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't. Mahomes has already come up big in the moment. And just one more remark about Andy Reid. People forget how much crap Andy Reid got, especially for me, because I didn't want the Chiefs to win. So two years ago, when they went out early in the playoffs, I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, Reid's just still doing Reid things. He's lived two lives. Like, he was an excellent coach for the Eagles, but he was stuck. He couldn't get to that next level. And now that he's broken that barrier, the narrative has absolutely changed on Andy Reid. And you look at how old guys coach into, there's no reason he can't continue to write this incredible narrative. But when you say like he could stumble a column I love how you said he's saving his place for later because <clears throat> he does seem to like he doesn't just want to build a lead he wants to expand and expand and have something in his pocket 
I think the coaching advantage absolutely goes to the Chiefs as well. And so if we're giving the quarterback and the coach the edge, that might that might say something. But don't I? You can't count out Tom Brady. Like he maybe he won't make those mistakes two weeks in a row, but he's forty nine thousand years old, so maybe he will. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the one thing um, I think obviously we're slightly touching on is I think obviously the one thing I think when you need to win a Super Bowl, it's been evident is you need a good defense and you need a solid run game. I would give Tampa the edge in both of those departments. Like I think Tampa Bay's defense has the chance to be very explosive with JPP, Shaq Barrett. Those guys can get your quarterback in a four-man rush. And with that run game, if Ronald Jones is fit and he's starting ahead of Leonard Fournette, that run game becomes a little bit more dynamic with the fact Rujo is a bit more of a hybrid back, whereas Fournette's a lot more pounded between the tackles. So I think if you... Yes, I would give the quarterback coaching edge to the the Chiefs at the minute. But I think defense and especially run game, I would go uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But let's not forget the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... You know, they've got a defensive coordinator there in Todd Bowles who used to be a head coach and he was touted for some head coaching jobs in this offseason. So, yes, Bruce Arians is maybe not as good as Andy Reid is offensive, offensively, but you've got two very good defensive coordinators there in Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs and Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers. And I think it's just it's going to come down, I think, just to between which quarterback's more hot on the day and which defense can get home without having to give up its back end. I, I would I would just say on on that I think you're you're right I think in terms of the box like the they're so good like their their front is so good the issue for them though is that the QB who's best against the blitz Patrick Mahomes whereas for the Chiefs the Chiefs like the blitz too I mean I, I think the the Bucks were fourth in terms of the the blitz and the Chiefs were fifth but the, the Brady does not like if Brady has a weakness it is if you can get in his face and that's where Chris Jones is going to be huge here um, I do think the lines are going to play an enormous role um, in terms of that and that's my biggest concern for the Chiefs would be the fact that they are so beaten up um, on their line because they are going to have to move guys around losing um, Eric Fisher in, at, right at the, towards the end of that championship game obviously uh, Mitchell Swartz lost earlier in the year doesn't look like he'll, he'll come back Reed certainly hasn't sounded optimistic on that so you're having to move guys around which you, you don't want to do when you are playing against somebody like JPP and Shaq Barrett who's still playing with a chip on his shoulder and, and is playing for uh, a big contract and obviously look with with Sue and Vita Vea coming through the, the middle yeah I they, they do if it was any other QB I would say oh yeah they're they're going to savage him but Mahomes just seems to relish the challenge and Kansas have ways like they, they can beat you over the top with Hill they can find Kelsey on that third down or they can throw it out and run run screens and that's where speed kills you know we have seen them do it with their their, their run game is not nearly um, anywhere near where the Bucks game is but the jet sweep when they bring Hardman in or they bring um, Hill in they have just so many different options and Reed is prepared to to beat you in whatever way he needs to. This is not Pete Carroll, um, you know, Jeremy, I, I, I see the, the Seahawks top, but Pete seems to be wedded to wanting his ideas. Andy Reed, whatever it takes. And this is where I think this is going to be really interesting because these are 
two teams who will take shots and we've got two coaches who are not going to play conservatively in any way. I don't know if any of you guys saw some of the stats around Andy Reid and in terms of going for it, he becomes the most aggressive coach when uh, when it comes to, to the playoffs. So it will be an absolutely fascinating game in that respect, I think. I'll come to you, Joe, on this one. Um, I mean, if you're Todd Bowles and you're sitting there with Bruce Arians, I think I think the game plan is if you're going to beat this Chiefs team, you have to get to Patrick Mahomes with four guys. You, it, it can't be, you know, unless it's a blitz, but it can't be trying to rush five or six guys to get to him because then you get Kelsey one-on-one, then you get Tyreek Hill one-on-one, Nicole Hardman one-on-one. And one thing I saw in the, in the championship game in the divisional round is the Chiefs will try and get Kelsey matched up with one of your DBs because that's when the size becomes a problem. When someone that size can move that quickly with great hands and can cut as fast as um, Travis Kelsey can, then that's where the weaknesses appear. So just, you know, if you were sitting in there, Joe, would your game plan be, if you're Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles, how can we get pressure on Mahomes with only having to rush four so we can double team somebody else and make Mahomes beat us with maybe Nicole Hardman more than Hill and Kelsey? Well, I mean, that's the that's the key question. And um, I mean, like, like it's been touched on, the uh, Kansas O-line's been beat up really hard and you know, the, the Buccaneers are going to want to try and get to Mahomes as quick as possible because, you know, the quicker they get to him, the, the quicker and more decisive his reads need to be. Um, and I think Mahomes has had like the most time in the pocket of any QB in the league. So I think this game will be, a you know, like you said, a, a key defensive uh, stand for the Buccaneers. And um, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch, I think, because I think if one side crumbles, it's going to be an absolute blowout either way. Part of me just wants a competitive game when you say it like that. I, I'd love a defensive game because that would surprise everyone. If this was uh, if this was Shaq Barrett's day to shine and he and Jones were the real stars of this, I think I think I would I would actually enjoy that Super Bowl. But if we have a shootout, just let it be let it be close late in the fourth. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you know in the end you know I have an anti Chiefs and an anti Brady bias, so I just want to see really good football. And and in the end, we'll see how I feel. I just want to see him put on a good show. Yeah, Mitch, remember, when you say you want a defensive Super Bowl, we all remember the Rams-Patriots from a couple of years ago, and, and that was a defensive Super Bowl that wasn't fun to watch. So That's how you know you never played American football, because if you're a defensive guy, you like you relish in some of that. But it's ugly. It's not good for it's not good for the for the overall spectator. That's why, obviously, looking at these two teams, I think we're more likely to get a game in the 30s that's close rather than a defensive battle. But if it comes down to, like, I, I love that the Broncos' last Super Bowl win was really clinched because of Von Miller and his strip sack. And uh, so if that was Shaq Barrett, look, Shaq went to CSU, played for Denver. Uh, I want him to get that big contract. I would, I could stand Tom Brady winning another game if Shaq Barrett was the real hero. Um, but uh, I, you know, I'd give the edge to the Chiefs in that case. I know you guys want entertainment, but defense can be entertainment too. All right. Yeah, just uh, moving on. Then we're, we'll talk about the head coaches because we have touched on them a good wee bit, and mo- mostly Andy Reid. But looking at Bruce Arians, I mean, he said having Tom Brady is like having a coach on the field. You know, he's got Todd Bowles there as his defensive coordinator. Sometimes I watch Bruce Arians and it kind of feels like he, yes, he has the keys to the car, but he keeps handing them to other people and just saying, you know, you be in charge of that, you be in charge of that. Is there anything Bruce Arians really is, we know what Andy Reid will bring and we know what Steve Spagnuolo will bring for the Chiefs. Is there anything that Bruce Arians can really bring to this game to help the, uh, the Buccaneers offense in particular, even though he's got Tom Brady under center, he'll have seen everything there is to see in the game. Well, what I think he brings, and in, in terms of handing it off, I think you're you're right there, Jeremy. He brings trust. 
uh, he look at look at the way Brady ha- talks about um, BA and, and compare that how he talked about BB. He he trusts those around him. And he built an incredibly strong and diverse coaching staff there, and he he, he gives them the the opportunity. He doesn't impose um, his will and. He will allow Brady to to do what Brady feels he needs to do. And look, when you have a, a 43-year-old who's played in 14 uh, conference championships, who's in his 10th Super Bowl, who's seen it all, he is the guy that you want to have, uh, you know, controlling the the car. So, to when when you hear the the box players talk about um, when Bruce Arians came in, it was just kind of a, a breath of fresh air and. It was like the antithesis of Matt Patricia when he went into Detroit and he like laid down the law and this is how it's going to be because you're talking about, you know, phenomenally talented people who are clearly good at at what they do. So really what you want to do is is trust them and and get out of the way. Um, So to to me, he, he has that ability to trust people but but to keep to keep spirits up as well i mean if you look at that the game from earlier this season i mean they were they were dead and buried and and they they came back and that looked that kind of always happens generally you, you take the the foot off the pedal a little bit um but to me um he, he they there is enormous amount of affection there um clearly for um bruce arians and the players feel that he is a, a player's coach and that he he listens to them, and I think that has had a huge impact for them. I mean, can we really take much away from that game we saw in the regular season? Because we saw the Saints, you know, decimate the Bucks twice, and then in the playoffs, you know, the completely rules reversed. So, can we really take a lot away from that regular season game, or do we maybe just take snippets? I I would say you can take some. Um, in turn, because when it's the Chiefs, um, because the, the Chiefs just they they are that that well-oiled machine. I mean, the, the worry I suppose in terms of the Saints was always around Drew Brees and the arm strength, and you just saw it fade and fade and fade, and it, it felt a little bit like um, if you want a Premier League analogy, that where where Gary Neville quit at halftime because he realised his body just wasn't up to it anymore. And as the season went on, it just felt, especially after he got, what was it? Was it 13 broken ribs that, that um, Drew Brees had in that injury? He just never seemed to come back um, to be able to, to really launch it. And it, it took away everything from them because immediately you could game plan. You knew the ball's not going to go more than 10 yards here. So it, it changed it. Whereas the, the Chiefs, the, other than that line, right? The issues that they have across the offensive line. Mahomes is still going to be Mahomes. Hill is still going to cause you all those issues. You still have to, to come up with the same game plan. Whereas when the Bucs went to the Saints to, to play them in the playoffs, they were able to say, listen, just keep the pressure on him. Make, make it a game where Drew Brees has to throw and see if he can beat us because they, they back themselves not to be able to do that. Are you going to back yourself to say that, ah, let Patrick Mahomes throw and, 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 and see how it goes? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't follow that. Do you think the, uh, the location of the game is going to affect anything? The fact that it's being played in Tampa Bay uh, with uh, 22,000 viewers, uh, 22,000 fans at the ground, do you think that will change anything? Um, 
I per, I was talking about, uh, to somebody about this earlier. I, I actually think what, what's interesting is there's been some talk about the fact that the Chiefs won't get to fly in until Friday. I actually think that suits them, right? Because it, it, it controls the controllables. It, it makes it less of uh, a Super Bowl game, right? It makes it just more just like, this is normal. We can we, we go about our everyday routine. And when you talk, hear about successful teams, what they try to do more than anything is in the lead up to finals and semifinals, keep the routine a, as much as possible. So the Chiefs would be able to do that. I do think obviously, look, um, one of the things is, for Tampa is their training facility is right beside the stadium. Um, like they, they can literally look across. So they have seen the the banners go up. They have seen it kind of d- develop. So uh, undoubtedly they will, you know, there will be an extra incentive there. I think the fans there it isn't going to make a huge difference given the fact that you have, um, which is great to see that the league are bringing is at seven and a half thousand healthcare workers in. But then outside of that, um, the tickets are 10,000 to 14,000. This is not going to be a, a rabid, uh, you know, home crowd that, that, that um, are going to be able to, to um, you know, make it difficult for Patrick Mahomes to get the calls across or anything like that. It, it's nice for, for the Bucks that, you know, they're, they're, they will have their own routine as well. I don't see it being a, a huge factor for the in the game, just because the Chiefs, the Chiefs, in the same way that I never bought, the, and and I think Green Bay and sorry, sorry, I think Green Bay bought into this idea that this Lambeau mystique and mm. that Tom, I heard Tom, Tom Brady wasn't going to be able to play in Colbert. Tom Brady played in Foxborough. <laughs> in nor'easters and he was going to have issues and are you kidding me like yeah. sometimes i think the media and people around it and and fans understandably want there to be more to something so you want the home home advantage to matter more it's handy reed and and, and the chiefs i i don't see it being a huge issue yeah you think- I mean, oh, it's but the, yeah i think that's the important one that actually a lot of people haven't talked about was with the fact, you know, with the likes of Mahomes and all these guys, they get to go about their daily routine until Friday, and then it basically is like you're going on a road trip as you would do on most NFL weekends anyway. So, it, it, you know, and, and the media as well in Kansas City, you know, a lot of that media will be will be loving to the Chiefs. So, you know, it, it does feel like it's just a regular NFL week, and at the end of it, we got a Super Bowl. It, you know, so when you're going home after practice, sleeping in your own bed, you know, chilling out at your own place. Everything just feels normal. You can go to your own spots you usually go to, just chill out and relax. I, I think this is, and with the fact there's only 15,000 fans in the stands, it, th- there is no home field advantage. It, there really isn't. So, you know, the, the Bucks incentive from the start of the year would have been to play in a home Super Bowl, so. I think if there's any advantage, like Colin said, it's just being home, being where you're comfortable. But I mean, Tom Brady knows how to overcome the long half times with different elements as good as anyone ever will. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of those viewers are, are, I said viewers too, a bunch of those people who are going to be there are going to be healthcare workers or people who can afford to go to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is rarely a great crowd in person because it's people who could go there. It's so many corporate sponsorships. Um, that's what, why you kind of have to love <clears throat> like the NBA because those finals are really arenas full of diehard fans. Not to mention, no offense to Tampa Bay, but it's, it's not like they're known for having this incredible fan base in the first place. So... I, I, I don't think we need to take that into account too much. I think Patrick Mahomes already having played in a Super Bowl, it's going to go in. It's still going to look like a spark stadium, and it'll be it'll be fun to watch. I think it'll be just fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, mean, the, on, the only thing I just wanted to touch on quick was that um, I just wanted to ask you guys your opinion on um, whether you think this season will be viewed with a little asterisk next, next to it or whether it will be treated the same way. Because, you know, especially for, for Denver, your, your team was absolutely decimated throughout the season. You had to have a, a practice called wide receiver at quarterback. But, um, you know, maybe other teams might have had more of an opportunity if they had fans maybe the defense could have would have been bolstered by fans or or things like that so maybe the whole kind of dynamic of the of the season could have changed completely um what, what do you guys think about that i mean i'll take this one for the fans point when we played a playoff game at one of the loudest stadiums traditionally in the nfl and we had no fans i think i think it does make a difference but like at the end of the day like fans aren't going to win you super bowls and stuff and you know, when LeBron won his uh, fourth ring in the, in the NBA Finals there, I said there's no asterisks on it. There, there is none because it, it's the same old, same old. So I can't really say if Tom Brady wins this, there's an asterisk beside it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like the, these guys go onto the field and they're, they're so locked in. That they, if there's fans in the stands, you know, they don't notice it. If there is, you know, at the end of the day, they're, these guys will be so focused on this game that, you know, Come the end of the game, yeah, they'll focus on the fans at the start. But once this ball gets kicked off, they get locked in. So in some cases, yeah, fans would have made a difference. But I, I don't think they would really turn around teams that were Super Bowl bound. Oh, not an asterisk. It's it's a different season. But in the end, it's not going to be viewed as any any lesser. Um, what's interesting, I think the only American League that should have had any sort of asterisk might have been baseball because the Dodgers finally won a World Series <laughs> and they only had to play 60 of the normal 162 games and no one's talking about an asterisk for them and everyone's saying oh everyone shot better in the bubble for the NBA I think those two are even more different I think this is absolutely like we've ended up with the two best teams I think if yeah I, I don't see a scenario where this seems anything anything lesser it's we are always going to look back at the season as something different but not anything less I, I do think it's maybe um, and I, I say this as a Broncos fan, I think it has provided a, a convenient excuse at times, right? Because it was, there were no OTAs, there was no, uh, you know, training camp was curtailed. Justin Herbert didn't seem to bother him, guys, uh, straight, out, straight out of college. So um, I think a, a useful for, and not, and not just Denver, useful for lots of teams to say, oh, if only we'd had time to implement this plan. Oh, would it, it would have been so different for us. And just you wait until next year. It all feels for some teams very Liverpool of the 90s. Next year, next year, next year. But for the Broncos, it could be a good thing because we have the number nine pick. Or it could be a terrible thing because they could be like, well, Drew Locke didn't really get what he needed to show if he can do what he can over a full season. And, you know, I, for one, am not here for giving that experiment. Yeah, very season. strong opinions about Drew Locke. Every... Uh, every look as someone who's like very pro trevor simeon if i don't just see it with Locke, i just can't hide <laughs> it so um yeah i think but every franchise will have those cases where it's like did it may might it have helped a little bit might it have hurt uh you know it's like if the bears say well covid really just made it so it wasn't trubisky's year after they gave him another season to prove himself you know five years into that experiment or whatever it be i just think it's gonna affect every everyone a little bit different but everyone had to deal with it so you can't uh, you can't look back on it with too much regret. All right, guys. But before I get you guys to give give me your picks, uh, a little bit of fun because it's Super Bowl weekend. Uh, during the week last week, uh, I don't know if anyone caught it. Scotty Miller made a very interesting comment. He passed himself off as the fastest wide receiver in the National Football League. Now, Scotty Miller is fast, but then there is Tyreek Hill fast. 
So I'll hand it over to you guys. Uh, is Scotty Miller able to show to being the fastest receiver in the National Football League? None. You know, they track all this, don't they? They can like see who's, who's yep. ran the fastest over a whatever yard run. But you know what? There's always some like five nine kick returner that's actually faster than the rest of them. They just can't do what Tyreek Hill can do. So it might just be some guy who's the sixth receiver on a team that sucks. The Jets might have some guy we don't know of that's actually faster. So I wouldn't, uh, I'd say he did that um, for fun and attention. And you have to have a big ego to play professional sports. So good for him. But I, I don't know if he's faster than Tyreek Hill, but we could probably measure that somehow. So. Yeah, I hope I, to see a race sometime soon. Well, didn't they? They did. They did a race, but it's it's very difficult to get the top top guys to to do it. Look, Scotty Miller. It has, in fairness to him, he's had a great year, and he's ha had to deal with the fact that Antonio Brown came in, took away some playing time, and he didn't complain. He showed up when when they needed him to to show up. Um, but if you're giving me a choice of um, Tyree Kill or Scotty Miller, um, it's going to be Tyree Kill on on each and and every occasion. It, but look, it's part of the build up. It's good to see kind of the join that goes on between players. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I do miss about Super Bowl week is, is the big media sessions when the likes of uh, Tyree Kill and Sky Miller, the, the personalities really come out. But yeah, I mean, players don't miss that one bit. I don't even think a lot of players miss the Pro Bowl and all the little activities they have to do around there. Oh, of course they don't miss the Pro Bowl. They do not miss that at all. It looked pretty funny this year, though. Did you guys see the clips of the uh, yeah. the Madden games they were doing? They looked pretty funny. Oh, I didn't see that. They were playing, they were playing Madden. It looked pretty fun. Yeah. I, I would have to, I don't think the Pro Bowl is ever coming back. I think really? once, once you've gotten rid of it, no, no player wants it. I mean, if you compare it now to what it, what it was, players just, no one wants to, to play the, they, and it's not like they need, okay, back in the um, 80s and 90s when guys weren't earning the sort of money they are now. Yeah, it was nice to have a nice holiday, but I really would be surprised. Maybe they'll bring it back as, as like a rookie bowl or something like mm. that. Um, but I cannot, for the life of me, see guys wanting to, to, to just, to, to, why would you take any risk? at all if you're say justin simmons right and you are one of the top safeties in the game right you would have potentially been going to the super bowl but also you don't like if you pick up a stupid injury um during that and you lose out on your 15 16 million a year contract i would be very surprised if it comes back i do think that's something that covid has it was coming um i don't think fans had any real interest in the game either because again there's a move to make it safer and it was becoming increasingly it was more like flag football i'd be amazed if you see it come back i really would yeah i mean i saw a video on twitter um when sean taylor played in the pro bowl and he absolutely destroyed i uh, uh someone on the kick return i was like god I, like i missed the pro bowl and then like two videos later it was odell dancing in the pro bowl with the colts mascot and i was like i don't miss the pro bowl <laughs> So yeah, we'll get we'll get to the big bit then, which is obviously the picks. Um, I'll go with Joe. Uh, Joe, are you going Chiefs or Bucks, and what is the score? Ooh, I'm gonna say Chiefs, and I think it's gonna be like a like a six or seven point game. I'm gonna say like like 35-29 or something like that to Chiefs. All right, Mitch, what have you got? Yeah, similar there. 31-24 Chiefs. All right. And Cole? 
I've gone back and forth on it, right? Because I can see a, a way in which the the Bucks can win this um, with with the Chiefs line that beat up, right? And when when you have Levante David uh, and you have Devin White. I mean, Devin White is monstrous. And again, you can have sometimes just a defensive player who kind of takes over the playoffs and, and just makes such a difference. So I can see a path to, to victory for for the Bucks, But I I think if you run the simulation um, nine, like 100 times, I think the, the Chiefs win it 87 times. Um, I just think that they they will have too much particularly when you consider that both of the Bucks starting safeties there are injury concerns around them um and and i think that the the chiefs specialize in interceptions uh, they have done it all year and honey badger is just he's just a magnet he, he, he's unbelievable in terms of reading he, he's he's the QB in the backfield he's able to read the eyes disguise what he's going to do and just get the ball and he comes up at the biggest of moments I expect him to do that again because Brady does take take shots and I, I just think that um, the Chiefs will have too much in terms of the, the firepower and on the defensive side um, it, it, I think it will be a shootout. I think it will be close, um, but the Chiefs win it for me. Yeah, I think I would also go with Chiefs, but uh, if Brady gets the ball back in a six-point game with five minutes left, I might flip my pick right there and then. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it might come down to whoever has the ball last, and that's mm-hmm. why I do a se- I like to give a seven-point spread a lot of the times because I just think if it's three, oh, you just never know how it's going to swing. I just, quickly, Jeremy, before you wrap, Colm, I know you guys have a bunch of content coming out this week. I just want you to let our listeners know where they can hear you and what you guys have going on leading up to the Super Bowl here. Yeah, cheers. So the Irish NFL show, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. And we do have uh, quite a bit of content coming out this week. So we have a show every night of the week. Uh, we're launching tonight. And then uh, we have uh, interviews with Stink. Uh, with Otis Anderson and with uh, Brandon Stokely. So we're we're calling it Champions Week, um, given that e- each of those guys has multiple rings, not just one. So uh, fun talking to all of them about their, their Super Bowl stories. And each of them had uh, a, a good story to, to tell. And then we have a, a big four-hour uh, Super Bowl preview show next Sunday from four to eight and we have um quite a few um we players coaches analysts and a couple of um celebrity fans who are going to be joining us for that as well so check out irish nfl show facebook and twitter yeah i know i'll be tuning into that during the week and take it from me i've listened to mark slayer also known as stink the last couple of years on Fox Sports and he is genuinely brilliant with the stories he comes up with and the insight he gets but thanks Colm uh, for coming across to, to do this with us this is our last uh, Super Bowl show and uh, next week we'll be we'll be chatting about what we saw happen so Joe Mitch have a great week uh, let's all enjoy this week it was a celebration that is football and uh, hopefully we'll have a great Super Bowl thank you Jeremy thank you Colin thanks, thanks. Guys. enjoyed it cheers